Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is the Ocean Protect Podcast. Talking about the issues that face our oceans and what we can do about it. Presented by Ocean Protect. Committed to change. Lucille Chapuis, welcome to the Ocean Protect podcast. Thank you. And thank you for having me. No worries. And uh, you're calling from, am I right in saying Exeter? Exeter in the UK, exactly. And how's life in Exeter at the moment? It's not too bad. We just had a World 2 bomb exploded on the weekend. So that was exciting. Oh, sorry, a, a bomb? Yeah, like uh, one of these old bombs that had been forgotten from the war. Wow. Yeah, they just had to do a controlled detonation of it to get rid of it. So that was yeah, the weekend. <laughs> and, that, and that's pretty uh, that's pretty coincidental because we're actually here to talk about noise, really, aren't yeah. we? Really, it's, it is. It was loud. I'm sure it would be. And, and your sort of, uh, I guess, research and, and uh, I guess a couple of articles have come across my desk. I think I saw one of your, it was an article, I think it came on LinkedIn or something like that. And it was called Healthy Oceans Need Healthy Soundscapes. And mm-hmm. obviously there's an associated paper with that. And I'll include all this in the show notes. But I guess before we delve into the scientific detail, we always love to get a bit of a backstory on our guests at, on this show. So you're a postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Exeter. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. And you did your PhD in my neck of the woods in Australia. I indeed. I, I did my PhD in Perth in WA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was the PhD on? So the PhD was on the hearing systems of um of sharks and rays, a group of animals that we call elasmobranches. Yeah. They're amazing animals because they've got all these fancy sensory systems, you know, they've got a lateral line and We've got the electroreceptive system that we don't have, so that's exciting. But we actually know almost nothing about their hearing system, although it's, you know, it's basically they've got ears like any fish, but very, very few things are known about, yeah, about ears in sharks. And so this is a bit of a theme in your research. So how did you get interested in noise and listening in the ocean? So always been attracted by the ocean, the sea, and loved diving. And so that introduced me to the whole underwater world and then its inhabitants. So really love to, to see fish do their things in the water and especially sharks. So that is what attracted me to this PhD position because I was really keen to know more about them. And so, as I said, there's been a lot of studies of 
about sensory systems of sharks, but nothing much about the hearing system. So we decided to focus on that. And that led me into this world of um, of sounds and the water, really. Yeah. And I guess there's no better place to research sharks than Western Australia. <laughs> that is right. That is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of uh, – there's, there's been lots of debates, of obviously, with uh, the, um, the shark attacks and shark curl and all that, yeah. And were you having to do literally in-ocean research with the sharks in, in the University of WA? Uh, so we did a lot of field work. We went up to the um, Ningaloo Reef, which mm. is a beautiful place. So very lucky to have been working there. Funny enough, there's not enough great whites. It's, it's hard to work with great white sharks in Australia because there's not that many. So we had to go to South Africa to target them. Oh, wow. And we also had little sharks in the lab. Um, so these sharks are fairly easy husbandry, so you can keep them uh, in tanks like uh, bamboo sharks or Port Jackson sharks. So we had them in the lab, yeah. And, and sorry, excuse my ignorance, but do sharks listen just like us? Have they got ears and yeah, so sound receptors you, just like us? Yeah. You, you can't see their ears because they don't have an, the, the fatty thing that we have. They don't have yeah. an external <laughs> ear, but they've got an inner ear. And actually, if you look very carefully at the top of the head of the shark, it's got two little holes. It has the, they, they call the endolymphatic pores. And if you follow these holes, you, you get to the inner ear. And that's a fully right. functional labyrinth like uh, any vertebrates, really. Wow. And, and obviously, we're going to talk about noise and soundscapes and delve into the science, but I guess we probably should get some definitions right just so for the, for the listener. So there, there's a couple of terms that I see you use in your paper, and, and the paper is actually uh, published in the Journal of Science. It's called The Soundscape of the Anthropocene Ocean. So I guess first up, what is soundscape and then what is Anthropocene? <laughs> Uh, yeah, very good, uh, very good uh, questions. Let's start there. The soundscape is basically the landscape of sounds that is in an environment. So our soundscape here, it's very quiet because we're trying to have a, a quiet soundscape around <laughs> here so that we can hear each other the best. But you know, there's no cars, there's no birds singing. So what we're trying as, as a sensory ecologist is to study the soundscape of each species in particular. So if you go underwater, you know, you, I was talking about bamboo sharks before. So the soundscape of a bamboo shark would be the reef. So it would be full of snapping shrimps. It would be full of fish calls. You could probably hear the waves also crashing at the surface. So that would be the soundscape of this animal. Mm, yeah. And, and what, what, sorry, I guess the other one was Anthropocene. So what does that yeah. mean? Anthropocene ocean? So Anthropocene, I, I don't think it's been defined yet as such. It, it refers to a period, right? In the history of the earth, it's like the um, Jurassic or um, the Holocene or, so it's, it's, it's these massive eras and the Anthropocene is called like this because we are in a period right now where humans, and so that's the, the root anthropo, the humans have had many, many effects on the environment. So this is mm. why we call it Anthropocene. And I guess it started at the Industrial Revolution, so end of uh, 1700s, I, I think. Yeah. That's when, that's when the steam engine was invented. And so 
that would uh, be the start of the Anthropocene. And it's often the term used, I've seen it, because I'm guessing, sorry, I think I've heard it used to describe the fact that we're in such a period of, of human impact, human-induced impact. It's just That's creating right. so much change amongst the planet. I think it's referred to as the, the sixth greatest extinction of all species on the planet yeah. as a direct result of human activity. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, it's scary that we are so powerful that we have a name in the yeah in in this period, in these massive periods, which are just shaping the the planet. You know. Yeah, but obviously, uh, to quote Spider Man, and I always love to quote Uncle Uncle Ben out of Spider Man: "With with great power comes great responsibility." That's I'm, right. I'm sure you. Yeah. Do you, do you, obviously, your your accent. I'm, I'm get, you're from originally from Switzerland, aren't you? So I am. Yeah, I'm uh, from yeah. the French side of Switzerland, so it's got yeah. a Frenchy accent. Yeah. So they have they have Spider Man in Switzerland as well. Thank you, Steve. It's good to know. It's good to know. So we're going to talk about the, the soundscapes of the Anthropocene Ocean. So, in terms of sound, like why does sound travel quicker underwater? You're right, it does travel uh, faster underwater, about five times higher than in air, actually. That's because the water is much denser than air, and it's actually, even more importantly, it's less compressible than air. It's hard to push a water like mm. you would do with air. And so that, that means that much less of the energy of the sound will be leached off in water compared to, compared to air. So that's why it will go uh, not only faster, but much further as well. So, for example, then if we take the wavelength of 100 hertz, that will be 3.4 meters in the air long, but it will be 15 meters in the water. That's amazing. So literally, when if people are out fishing, they really need to be quiet if they want to catch fish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Uh, and so you, you talked about, I guess, natural soundscapes like the crashing of the wave, the fish talking to each other. So am I right in saying a natural soundscape is really quite quiet? Like it's you get little bubbles and little creeks and the occasional whale will make a really cool sound and, and you might hear a bit of rainfall on the surface. And, but is it generally reasonably quiet? Yeah, that sounds very romantic, actually. <laughs> um, I think I think you have to to think it is it's like on on Earth, really. It really depends where you are. If you go in a mm, rainforest, yeah. it's going to be very different than if you go in on on a quiet beach. So it's the same under the ocean. In the ocean, we, it really depends where you are. So we like to divide the soundscape in three big groups of sounds. The first group is called the biophony, and that's made of all the sound produced by the animals. So mm. you've got, um, obviously, the marine mammals are well known for chatting a lot, right? Mm. You've got mm. all those. You've got the fish, uh, less known, but also can be very loud, fish calls, all the mm. invertebrates crackling. And so if you go, for example, on... Um, coral reef, this is going to be very loud there. If it's healthy, it's very densely mm. populated by all these groups of animals. So you're going mm. to have a lot of biophony there. The second group of sound is called geophony, and that's more like what you were referring to, the sound of the rain on, on, the, on the water, the waves crashing, the bubbles, earthquake. So it's the abiotic but natural sounds. 
if you want. And finally, mm. the, the third group is the anthropophony. So like anthropocene, anthropophony comes from the human. So we go in the ocean a lot. We do a lot in the ocean and with us, we take the, a lot of noise actually. Mm. Uh, we, we create, we generate a lot of noise with shipping, building stuff and looking for, looking for oil and gas and all that. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah. And so why is, I guess, a natural soundscape important for the ocean mammals and the everything in between in terms of the critters and um, you know, fish, et cetera? Sound is quite efficient in the water, right? So mm. all these, mm. the animals would have taken advantage of this and developed, you know, good hearing abilities and good communication ways so that they, they can take advantage of this uh, fast communication way, really. So they use sounds for a lot of activities. They use sound to, to find prey, to detect predators. They use sound to find mates when they want to reproduce. Some animals use sound to, to, for navigation. So the full sound scheme will be important for each species. Mm. How has that soundscape changed since the pre-industrial revolution? So, yeah, in a, in a lot of ways. So the, the first thing to say is that the entrophony has increased, obviously, since the um, industrial revolution. There's much more activities going on. We've seen that over the past 50 years, increased shipping has contributed to a 30-fold increase in, in noise, and that's along the major shipping route. So that's massive. A 30-fold increase in noise among, along the shipping routes. Yeah, for the last wow. 50 years. That's just a shipping also. You know, we are yeah. constructing a lot of offshore platforms, wind farms. The construction of these structures create noise as well. And I, I believe that's just a start. I, I, I think the ocean economy is booming and it's not going to get, it's not going to get more quiet at the contrary. So how bad is noise pollution in our oceans? Like, and, and do, do we have any idea of actually the magnitude of how that is actually impacting on the health of our marine environment? Well, that's exactly what we wanted to, you know, summarize with that paper that you were talking about before. So it's not only that there is more entrophony, it's also that the biophony has decreased because there is less 
animals in the ocean because of overfishing, because of hunting, that have less less marine mammals and less fish to produce sound. So that that has shifted as well, and it's also because uh, of the degradation of the habitat. So if you've got less kelp forest, you've got less coral reefs, that will mean less uh, fewer vocalizing animals. Also, some animals may stop vocalizing when there is noise pollution. So that has also changed. Climate change is increasing the number of cyclones and marine heat waves that degrade marine habitats. And so this also alter biophony. Uh, so it's not only that the anthropophony has increased, it's also that the biophony has been, has shifted really. Wow. Your paper was only released literally last month, but mm-hmm. prior to this paper, has noise pollution and the potential impacts received much attention in the scientific community? Yeah, look, definitely. So we, in the context of this study, we reviewed about 10,000 papers and like we selected 500 of, of them that were really relevant. So there's been studies. And we know that noise is, you know, we've, we've known that noise is an issue for a while now. Problem is it's not been picked up by the policymakers, I think. Mm. So it's not, you know, it's not been, no, no application has come from this research. And this is the gap we're trying to fill here. We're trying to say, uh, hello, w- uh, wake up. We need to discuss about this noise too. Because that's as an added thing in in the cumulative of pollution, yeah. Yeah, and so within the scientific community, it might have got a little bit of attention, but in the in the policy area, where I guess rules and regulations around this pollutant exactly are developed and applied, nothing's really been done. And I, I guess from a from my perspective, I haven't really, and I've been in the sort of ocean protection space for a while. I haven't really seen noise being given that much attention from a public perspective. Like mm. we at Ocean Protect, we're very much focused on protecting our oceans from pollution with a focus on, on water pollution. And I really, I can't, I can't even think of any example where I've actually heard anyone talk about the potential threat and appropriate mitigation strategies for noise pollution. Yeah, that's that's really interesting you say that. That mm. means that, you know, there, there's been, I'm not sure who's, whose fault is it. Is it us as scientists that... We, we are bad at communicating our, our research and especially to the public. I, mm. I don't know. I guess it's fairly new, you know, as underwater bioacousticians. It's, it's a new science. Uh, we now have all the tools, but it's been only in the last 20 years or so that, you know, we've had access to, uh, hydrophones and, and all these technical advancements to, to actually properly uh, study sound underwater. I think if you look at our terrestrial colleagues, they're far ahead in their science and in their mm. knowledge. And I guess a key aspect of noise pollution is that it is actually an invisible pollutant. Like we, we know uh, from my perspective in terms of stopping, say, stormwater pollution entering our waterways and oceans, we know there's a whole bunch of pollutants that are very damaging, you know, heavy metals, uh, pesticides, petroleum, hydrocarbons, et cetera, nutrients. Uh, but they're very poorly, uh, I guess, readily sort of understood by the community and often policymakers. So often uh, there's a big focus on, say, litter 
and marine debris, which obviously everyone sees and is very visible and everyone readily, can readily understand it, it's a, it's a far more difficult sort of, uh, I guess, uh, problem to actually talk about and, uh, and develop appropriate strategies for these invisible pollutants. And I guess noise is, is obviously in, in that category. It's, it's essentially underwater, can't be seen and probably up until the last 20 years, not really given much attention at all. So obviously, there's a, it's always going to be a delay between identifying a problem and doing something about it. So it's probably not surprising that, I guess, mitigation strategies and policies around uh, noise pollution haven't actually been appropriately developed until now. Yeah, you're spot on there. I agree. I think as humans as well, we are very acoustically disabled in the water, you know, Mm, our ears, yeah. our ears are not adapted for for the water environment. Uh, we get mm. we get disorientated, and our brain is not wired to process this information properly. So it's hard to transfer, of course, that knowledge that we got into the into the real world. Definitely. And so, getting together this collaboration of scientists, can you? Because you, I look at the author list on this paper that you've published. There's quite a few people that have put their hand on this uh, paper. H- how do you go about actually getting that many scientists together and actually agreeing to such an extent to write a paper about something? Yeah, that's a good question. And not only it's a lot of scientists, but it's also lots of scientists who are from different fields. You know, they are, yeah. there are some fish ecologists, there are some marine mammals specialists, there are some physicists, biologists. So that's quite rare to be able to get all together in the same room and, and agree that there is this problem and we need to, we need to do something about it. It just takes one person though. So the, the, mm-hmm. um, the first author, um, Carlos Duarte did have this ambition to get, you know, all the experts of the world together. And, um, he invited us to have a chat basically. And that's what comes from it. So it's it's great. I can't imagine how many sort of revisions this paper's gone through, though, with that many scientists <laughs> writing yes. it, like and, and all the track changes and spelling and grammar and different <laughs> languages and different opinions. It, it is it, a challenge. It must have been. There must have been towards the end. You're like, you know what? We're just issuing it. You know, too bad. It's the final <laughs> cut. Let's just publish it. It Was is. It like that? Uh, it is, it is a big challenge and you need someone, uh, like, you, you know, you need someone that kind of is the director of the orchestra and says, no, no, yeah. that's, that's going too fast. Let's slow down here and let's push a bit more there. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's like an art to be a, an orchestra director and all that. But it worked okay at the end. I think, uh, we managed to, to have one piece of, uh, writing that makes sense that uh, can catch people's attention, this is what we wanted, and hopefully can, um, can make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Ocean Protect podcast. Episodes are released weekly, and the next episode will feature part two of this chat. If you'd like to find out more about us and what we do, check us out at oceanprotect.com.au.